What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. That is Kyle Sapi, our fantasy football analyst here at Pro Football Network. He can be found on Twitter at Kyle Sapi PFN. Kyle, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing well. We're in August, man. I mean, that's crazy how quickly it got here and how quickly it's going to go. We got actual football tomorrow. The regular season will be here before you know it, but before the regular season starts, you got some fantasy teams to draft. 100%. We are absolutely excited to be welcomed in our uh, welcoming in our my good friend here andrew erickson from fantasy pros the fantasy football analyst over at fantasy pros you can be found on twitter at andrew erickson underscore andrew how are you today my friend i'm excited it's august fantasy football season is hitting its peak we're hitting our stride and i'm excited to talk about the first five rounds with two of my favorite kyles uh, an old kyle a new kyle it's gonna be fun absolutely guys well hey before we get into talking some of those early round values we have some fantasy football news that we need to discuss here on the podcast. Last night, we got news here on Tuesday that Cooper Cup left the practice, the LA Rams practice, with a hamstring injury. Now, as we are recording this here, it is 11 a.m. on Wednesday. We do not know the severity of the injury. We do not know exactly how long he's going to be sidelined, but we do know that the expectation is a few weeks. So, figured that this was a situation that we should probably talk about on the podcast. Kyle, I'll throw it to you first. How are you take what's the takeaways from this injury here and how are you valuing Cooper Cup now that we still have six weeks to go before the start of the season? Yeah, and I think that's the key. There's still six weeks, which means there's probably still at least four and a half until your fantasy draft. So I'm not moving him down ranks quite yet. I've got that top tier of receiver for me that's Jefferson Chase Cup in that order, and I'm keeping it that way. If he's going to fall, if we know he's going to miss some time or he doesn't take another snap until week one, at worst, he goes down to wide receiver six for me. But he's not getting further than that, and I'm keeping him in the first round. Andrew, same question to you. I mean, we've seen historically that the LA Rams just don't play their starters in the preseason, so it was very unlikely that we would see Cooper Cup on the field anyway. But does this kind of give a little bit of trepidation towards drafting him at the top of drafts? It does for me, um, because Cooper Cup is an older receiver, so he's 30 years old. He's coming off an injury, and now he has another injury that it's not the hamstring injury. Oh, that's going to make him miss games, but what happens it's the re-injury risk is up now for me. And that's what has me concerned. Is he going to, is it going to pop up again in week three when he comes back? Like hamstring injuries, especially those lower body ones are the ones that always come back. Like they don't just go away. They come back. It happened to Keenan Allen last year. He missed half the season. So for me, you know, Cooper Cup was kind of in that tier where it's like, you know, depending on the format, I I would prefer him over McCaffrey in some things in in round one, even like a B. John Robinson. So for me, it's kind of like, I think I'm going to lean potentially onto some of those top tier running backs instead of Cooper Cup, especially in half PPR, just because I'm trying to limit my risk a little bit more now that he's picked up this hamstring injury. Jason Katz over in our in our Slack DM, one of our fantasy football analysts here at PFN was talking about like these injuries tend to linger. And so if you are going to completely separate yourself from that injury, if you're Cooper Cup, you need to rest. You need to completely rest. Don't try to work your way back too soon. And so that means that he's probably going to sit not only the preseason games, but the majority of the rest of training camp and those practices and all that sort of stuff which means that then he's going into week one, potentially a little bit cold, right? He's not going to be up to full speed, not going to be practicing that entire time. So there is a little bit of risk. I'm with you. I'm going to kind of slide right in between. Like I'm not moving him down the rankings fence just sitter. yet. I'm You're fencing. Sitting on the fence. I, I'm, I'm going, I'm not going to move him down the rankings just yet, but it is a situation where I'm circling and kind of monitoring. And if you are drafting now, which I don't know why you would be, but if you're drafting now in your season long fantasy drafts, I would probably look towards some of those other top tier options and kind of let someone else take the risk with Cooper Cup. 
It's a situation that we got to monitor as we move throughout the rest of the preseason. Before we get into early round values, guys, I will say this here. We are hiring going into the season. We are bringing on contract writers to join the PFN fantasy football team here. So if you want to join the excellent team of writers that we have here on staff, make sure to go over to my pinned tweet, uh, twitter.com. Twitter, yeah, twitter.com slash KyleYNFL, uh, and you can see the pinned tweet there. Fill out that form for the application, and we are looking to bring on several writers here, so if you want to join the team, make sure to go over and do that. Additionally, we talked about the team that we're looking to grow here. We are putting up written content all the time over on the website, profootballnetwork.com. Tons of articles going up every single day that you are going to want to check out, so profootballnetwork.com. Make sure to go over there. If you can't get enough of the podcast here, Go over to the website and make sure that you are prepared to dominate your fantasy football league this season. All right, guys, we got a lot that we have to get through here as we take a look at the first five rounds of fantasy football drafts. We're going to be utilizing underdogs ADP. Now, underdog ADP is slightly different. You'll see some slight variations from your season long fit, you know, your Yahoo, your ESPN, your sleeper ADP. But it, it'll help serve as a guide for us as we move throughout this the top five rounds of the draft here. So what we're going to do is I'm going to list out the players in round one. Let's focus in on round one here, the top 12 players in ADP. And we're going to talk about the best value in that round for each of you. So as we look at round one, we've got Justin Jefferson off the top, off the off the board right at the top there. Then we got Jamar Chase, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Austin Eckler, Stefan Diggs. Bijan Robinson, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, and then Nick Chubb. Sapi, I'll throw this to you first. Out of those 12 players, who is sort of that player that you circle and say, I think this is a screaming value right now? I mean, screaming value is a little strong in the first round, right? You're not, never going to get a great return on investment just because your expectations are so high. But for me, it's Stefan Diggs. Like in that first round, I want stability. And outside of Justin Jefferson, is there a receiver in football that offers a higher floor week to week? Than Diggs. I mean, we just talked about Cup's injury. Otherwise, he would have been on that list. But Chase comes with some downside. Adams comes with some downside. C.D. Lamb comes with some downside. Diggs, 100 catches every year with the Bills. He's had at least eight scores in five of the last six seasons. That dates back to Minnesota. To me, he's a bulletproof option, and that's what I want in the first round. Somebody I feel good about week in, week out to put up the numbers. He's not losing me weeks, and that's what I want in round one. Stefan Diggs, definitely that top tier option and that sort of little drama that got a little bit blown out of proportion yeah. there between Josh Allen and Stephon, all of that is behind Stefan Diggs looking at a steady, steady target volume here again this year over the past three years, 166 targets, 164 targets, 156 targets, 16 games played, 17 games played, 16 games played in each of those three years. If he's playing 16 plus games, you know that you're getting 150 targets. Not much changed uh, outside of the addition of Dalton Kincaid to this offense as well to make you, you know, feel like that's going to change going into 2023. So Stefan Diggs there for you, that top value off the board in round one. Andrew, I'll throw this over to you. Who is that first round value in your mind? Uh, Bijan Robinson for me, selected eighth overall by the Atlanta Falcons. He just happens to be being selected eighth overall by fantasy football managers over on Underdog. So the way that I'm looking at the scope of the first round is, yeah, Bijan Robinson, he hasn't played a snap in the NFL. Okay, but that's why he's a value because there's just a certain question mark of ambiguity about, okay, you know, how many touches is he going to get in this Atlanta Falcons backfield? But, you know, if history has shown us when teams invest a top 10 pick at the running back position, that guy gets fed. And with the talent that B. John Robinson is coming from Texas, 1,500 rushing yards, like a massive dominator rating, I'm just trying to find reasons like, why not B. John Robinson? And when we're talking about, guys that can finish the season strong when fantasy football championships are on the line. 
Like, I just don't see a scenario where Bijan Robinson isn't there in your lineup scoring you 20-plus fantasy points every single week. Last year, this Falcons running attack was super efficient. Tyler Ogier, a former fifth-round pick, PFS highest-graded rookie running back, ranked sixth in rushing EPA. During down the stretch, 18 carries, 96 rushing yards per game from week 13 onward. Robinson is a first-round pick and is better than Tyler Algier. And we were already getting a guy that was averaging nearly 100 rushing yards per game. So the way I look at it, Bijan, is like, this guy could get 300 carries, 1,500 rushing yards, and be a top three-ranked running back, especially in half PPR, which is underdog scoring format. So for me, especially when you even factor in the Falcons' schedule, Falcons' schedule is really good. It's easy. Who do they play the first five weeks? Panthers, Packers, Lions, Jaguars, Texans. What? Which of those defenses are we scared about Bijan not just going absolutely nuts against? And then in the playoffs, Panthers, Colts, and Bears. Like, I get that you can poke holes in just question marks about Bijan, but at the end of the day, next year when we're talking about 2024, Bijan's going to be the 101. So how does he get there? By smashing as a rookie. So even if it doesn't happen in week one, I think you're going to be very happy that you drafted Bijan in the first round, especially when he's going outside the top five, which is where I have him ranked as a top five overall player. So before I ask you a follow-up question, I will add the disclaimer that I do have Bijan Robinson as a top five running back for fantasy football this year, right? Like I'm right there with you. However, my concern, the one little nagging thing that I have kind of hanging in at the back of my mind with Bijan Robinson is Arthur Smith. And does he actually utilize Bijan Robinson the way that he should be utilized? We've seen the additions to this Falcons offense over the past three years in the top 10 of the NFL draft, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, then Bijan Robinson. Now, are we happy with the utilization of Kyle Pitts and Drake London so far? I know. And is there a potential, Andrew, that we could see Arthur Smith utilize Bijan Robinson as the Cordero Patterson replacement in this offense? We saw that he brought in Cordero Patterson. Patterson was great for fantasy football, but the utilization, the efficiency was off the charts. It was not consistent. Could we see potentially Arthur Smith utilizing Bijan Robinson incorrectly in a Cordero Patterson role, which would absolutely mean that he's not reaching top five running back status at the end of 2023. I don't think so. I mean, they have, they still have Cordero Patterson on the, on the team. Like why can't he just maintain that same role where he's kind of used as a gadget wide receiver, running back hybrid type of player. I, I think they were overthinking this, honestly, like we're again, like poking holes in the first round, like they picked him top 10. Like, right. he's going to get fed. Like, I really think it's that simple. And Arthur Smith's not, he's not a dummy. Like, to be totally honest, like, I get that we don't love the way that he's used some of his receivers and Kyle Pitts in particular, but wide receiver and tight end, deploying those types of players is different than playing a running back. Just like, give him the ball. Like, and he's going to run for it and be productive. Like, so I think it's a little bit more simple. And I love the discount. How, you know, when Bijan first got drafted in underdog, like, he was going like top three, top four, top five. And now he's fallen to eight because people are like, whoa, we're being too aggressive on this rookie running back when we see rookie running backs all the time. Like, this is when right. they're at their best. So I'm going to take advantage. Kyle, do you think I'm overthinking that a little bit? No, I mean, some of the guys behind him, like you've got Nick Chubb, it's their guys behind him are boring, right? I mean, you know what you're getting, and that's kind of what you're preaching here is that the unknown in Bijan is valuable. So I, I tend to take that side over the question mark. And going with the 300 touches that comes with a guy like Chubb. So I, I don't mind the Bijan take. I think I'm probably sliding receivers ahead of him to get outside of that top five overall. But I don't mind the overall rank. And he's a first round player to me. So I agree there. All right, let's move on to round two here. As we look at the players in round two of Underdogs ADP, it's Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross St. Brown, Devontae Adams, Jalen Waddle, Saquon Barkley, Chris Olave, Tony Pollard, Jonathan Taylor. 
really interested to see where Jonathan Taylor's ADP ends up. Patrick Mahomes, Devontae Smith, Derrick Henry, and T. Higgins. Sapi, I'll throw it to you first. Who is that value in round two? Yeah, I mean, the fact that you can get Devontae Adams outside the first round feels like a crime. Like, I'm old enough to remember. Oh, wait, no, I'm not. I'm not old enough. Basically, nobody's old enough to remember the last time Devontae Adams wasn't a fantasy superstar. He's been a top five receiver each of his last four fully healthy seasons. And that's where I have a rank. I got him my wide receiver five. I think he actually bumps ahead of Cup if this injury stuff, you know, is is more serious than they're letting on. I just don't understand the long term concerns on Adams. Yes, they're switching quarterbacks again, but he scored 14 touchdowns last year and they switched quarterbacks from a Hall of Famer to not a Hall of Famer. He's He's Devonta Adams. He is elite. He is him, for as you know, the kids say. I mean, he's he might be quarterback proof at this point. He had some ups and downs at some points last season, but he's being used downfield in this Oakland, or Oakland, jeez, in this <laughs> Vegas offense more than he ever was in Green Bay, and that offers upside. And I think he has the upside to be the wide receiver one. Maybe that's a little hot takey. Wide receiver two, probably behind Jefferson, is his ceiling. And to me, to get that in the second round, I'll take it every time. Yeah, we looked at Devontae Adams moving over to Las Vegas last year and being separated from Aaron Rodgers. And it was that conversation of, did Aaron Rodgers make Devontae Adams? Now, I think that everyone kind of agreed that it was a little bit of both, right? These guys are just fantastic together, but they're both fantastic separately. And then as we look at Devontae Adams moving over to Las Vegas last year, 17 games played, 180 targets. That was the highest target total of his entire career. 100 receptions, 1,500 yards. 14 receiving touchdowns, but the thing that you mentioned there, his dot went from 9, 9.5 in the two previous years to then 12.8. And now 12.8 isn't super massive, but it was definitely an upgrade over what he had seen in previous years. So definitely interesting to monitor, especially with Jimmy Garoppolo. How is that dynamic going to work here? Devontae Adams, you're signaling out, singling out as a value in round two. Erickson, I'll throw it to you. Who is that value for you as you look at round two? I'm looking at Tony Pollard. Uh, running back for the Dallas Cowboys. I, I think that, or again, we're overthinking this. We're like, oh, they're going to sign somebody. They're going to sign somebody. So, well, it's, it's August, and it's still Tony Pollard's backfield. So I, I, I think he's being drafted closer to his floor than his ceiling. Like, look, last year when he was basically the main guy in that backfield, even when Zeke was still playing a little bit, week 7 through 16, Tony Pollard was scoring more fantasy points and half PPR than any other running back. So it's not a small sample. Week 7 through 16, like a pretty good chunk of games. He was first in points per game. He was third in PPR points per game. His snap share was at 58%, though. Like he wasn't even playing a full role in the offense necessarily, which ranked 20th over that span. He had a high target share, was top 10, 110 yards per game, which ranked third. So the way that I look at it with Tony Pollard is, look, this is what we've always wanted. We were obsessed with Tony Pollard to be the running back one for the Dallas Cowboys for such a long time, but he sat behind Zeke for so many years. And it's like, now that we finally got what we wanted, we're, we're like finding, we're trying to poke holes again until it be like, now nah, we don't want Tony Pollard anymore. It's like, now nah, we don't want him. Like Zeke's out of the way. It's like, no, like this is exactly what we wanted. Like we want him. He's RB7 ADP, which is exactly where he finished last year, despite splitting snaps with Zeke for a lot of games during the season. So I think he's being drafted this floor. And by the time, the season starts and they don't add anybody or they add some dust ball, bring Zeke back on a cheap contract or whatever. It's not going to be the same story. Like Zeke, the reason they had to use Zeke was because of the contract. They had to justify the contract that they had with him. But on a reduced deal, if he comes back to Dallas, it's not going to be the same thing. So for me, I have a lot of question marks about this Dallas offense with Mike McCarthy taking over, calling plays. But the one question mark I don't have is Tony Pollard. So 
playing on the franchise tag, they have all the incentive in the world to run him into the ground. Like, yep. he's not in their long-term plans. Let's use him, churn him, and burn him. This guy's super efficient, and let's ride. So in the second round, Tony Pollard, I'm taking him over Jonathan Taylor. I'm taking him over Josh Jacobs. Like, I think that he's a great pick there. I think all three of us can easily agree that Tony Pollard is the one of the best values right now, in uh, especially in this top 24. But, Andrew, at what point, if his ADP does rise, if we get closer to August and fantasy managers are like, okay, Dallas isn't signing anyone, and his value starts, or his ADP starts to rise, is the back end of the first round, like, is that too high for you? Where you Like, what's that point where it gets too high, where you're like, oh, man, now I might want to go a different direction? You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this last year heading into draft season. I think Zeke was dealing with some type of injury or something. And it was like, you know, what if Zeke was just like, what if he went out and tore his ACL? Like, how high would we have drafted Tony Pollard last year? He would have been a top five pick. So, like, until he's a top five pick, like, by consensus, like, that's where I maybe pump the brakes a little bit. But he's never going to be there. Like, back at the end of the first round, I think it's fine. I think that there's actually kind of a blend between the end of the first round and the beginning of the second round where... I don't think that the tiers and players are that different from each other. So obviously ADP is set in a certain way because we prefer some guys over the others, but I really don't think that the end of round one is that different from the beginning to middle of round two necessarily. So yeah, I mean, I'm fine with taking Tony Pollard at the back end of the first round. This just tells me that all three of us are going to have a lot of Tony Pollard on our rosters Way going into much, 2023. Yeah. Let's move into the round three discussion here, gentlemen. We've got Jalen Hurts, Ramondre Stevenson, Josh Allen. We start to see the quarterbacks go off the board here. DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Mark Andrews, Josh Jacobs, Amari Cooper, Debo Samuel, Brees Hall, Lamar Jackson, and then Keenan Allen. Sapi, who is that value in round three for you? Yeah, I'm going to start where you ended there with Keenan Allen. And obviously, let's start with the narrative. I'll get to the numbers in a minute. We can all do that. But my man is mad about his Madden rating. I don't know anybody, any athlete that's driven by video game ranks quite like NFL players. He's an 89 in Madden. But if you earn an A in school, you're doing okay, right? Like, I don't, I, I wasn't a great student, but anybody would take an A. Madden gave him an A in catching, catchability in traffic, short and medium route running. That sounds like a pretty darn good receiver to me. In an offense that's going to be pass heavy, Justin Herbert isn't going anywhere. Allen was on a career pace and catches per game last year before getting nicked up. Again, that happens when you're a little bit older. I get the risk that's involved here, but at the very tail end of wide receiver of round three, I mean, sign me up there. That it's the price tag isn't that bad. I don't think Quentin Johnston's taking food off of his plate. I think that comes more in the form of Mike Williams, high-powered offense that I want exposure to. I'll take Allen at the end of round three, early round four, whatever his ADP kind of settles at every time. It's going to be interesting to really see where his ADP does settle because you do have some of this risk. We've talked about Keenan Allen before on the podcast, so I don't need to, we don't need to go down that road again. Just, you know, and uh, we'll move on here to Andrew's best value pick in round three. So Erickson, as you look at that list, who's that round three value for you? Um, for me, it's Mark Andrews, uh, Baltimore Ravens tight end in round three, basically dating back to early best ball drafts. I was locking in on Mark Andrews as a great round three pick because, yes, they've added other weapons in the offense, but I think that's just going to boost Mark Andrews' efficiency. Like, it would not surprise me at all if Mark Andrews catches 15 touchdowns this year from Lamar Jackson. The, the, oh, the middle of the field where Lamar Jackson absolutely shreds as an assassin as a passer because they have threats on the outside now for the first time in Lamar Jackson's career that I can remember between Beckham, Zay, uh, Zay Flowers, and a healthy Rashad Bateman, like Andrews is going to absolutely feast over the middle of the field. 
So even if he doesn't have a 29% target share like he did last year, which led all tight ends, it's still going to be the, he's still going to be the alpha in the passing game. And I think his efficiency numbers are just going to be met crazy. You know, we saw it with Lamar Jackson during his MVP year when he threw for 36 touchdowns. Like, this is how you get an edge with tight end is touching touchdowns and being super efficient in the passing game. So for me, Mark Andrews last year, he was matching Travis Kelsey's expected fantasy points per game before Jackson's injury. Like, if there's any tight end that can take down Travis Kelsey, it would be Mark Andrews in this high-flying offense that I think we take see takes a step forward in 2023. So for that, those reasons, especially in the best ball format where you get a major edge by having an elite tight end, I think Mark Andrews is that guy and he comes at a discount than last year. Kyle, do you agree with that take? I have nothing wrong with the Andrews pick there, but to say he's the only guy that can unseat Kelsey is uh, it's tough for me. Well, he's I know going... he's the, be- the best guy that can do it, in, in okay. my opinion. He's going, two rounds Not the ahead only of... guy. he's going two rounds ahead of Hawkinson. So I would rather take Hawkinson two rounds later Hawkinson was oh, Hawkinson's not the alpha on his team. Hawkinson's not even the number one receiver. On, how can Hawkinson get there with that if he's not the number one? No, it, it won't be easy, but Minnesota. It, it won't happen. <laughs> it won't hey, happen. Not everything's easy. Not everything's easy. You got to be the number weeks. one. You got to be the number one target on your team to be the number one tight end. I, I Kelsey's always done it. Well, yeah, Kelsey's done it because they don't have another receiver. But during the 12 weeks Lamar was healthy last year, Ravens were sixth lowest in pass rate. Vikings were sixth highest. I think that can offset what you're talking about a little bit here. I, I, I'm i not saying Hawkinson's going to be tight on one. I'm not even saying he's going to outdo Andrews. But two rounds later, like if I'm going value, if I'm if I'm going up that route, if I'm going down that path to draft an elite tight end, I'm doing it Hawkinson at the discount. It comes down to what are the overall, what's the overall pass volume? Because if you sure. look at this from a projection standpoint, Minnesota, 40 passes per game last year, right? And so if Hawkinson is going to insert himself as the number two clear option there in that offense, it depends what your view is on Jordan Addison coming into the NFL, but it's not going to be KJ Osborne. I have Hawkinson as the number two option there. So at a 20% target share off of 40 pass attempts per game or with Baltimore, Andrews might be the 25% target share, but at 32, 33 pass attempts per game, if you buy into Baltimore, it's going to throw the ball more, then that's where you can get to. He's the he's the option to usurp Travis Kelsey as the tight end one. If Kelsey finally regresses, age finally catches up with him, yeah. which I'm not, betting, I'm not betting on, then that's the path for Andrews to get there. But Hawkinson, I we know the passing volume is going to be there for Minnesota because of the state of that defense. Like they are going to be forced to throw. So that's where I think that the path can come into play, but, and and it comes more towards what Sophie's saying of the value. Do you take that risk with Andrews and buy into the fact that the offense is going to be more pass happy? Then you go Andrews. If you don't believe that, then you have that fallback option going a wide receiver, going a Keenan Allen in round three, then getting yourself TJ Hawkinson two rounds later. Uh, gentlemen, we still have to wait just a little bit for our fantasy football drafts, but with Underdog Fantasy, I get to feel the rush of adding a player to my team as many times as I want throughout the offseason without having to worry about that team throughout the year. With Underdog's best ball drafts, you simply draft a team and then let the season play out. No waivers, no trades, no getting your lineup decisions wrong. Sign up now at underdogfantasy.com with the code PFN and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash. When you make your first deposit of $10 or more, you deposit $100, you get $100 free. You can also click the link in your description to sign up and take advantage of this awesome offer. Head over to Underdog Fantasy and crank out some best ball drafts today. Let's move into round four here. We're looking at players like Jameer Gibbs, Najee Harris, Jerry Judy at the top of round four, then Christian Watson, Travis Etienne, Drake London, Joe Mixon. 
Terry McLaurin, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Williams, DJ Moore, and Joe Burrow. Soppy, out of that list, who's the best value? Yeah, I'm, I went boring last time with Keenan Allen, and maybe I'm just going to have an all-boring team, and I just really like old guys that people come at a discount, I guess, here. But I'm going Joe Mixon. I think he could finish as a fringe RB1, not the RB1, but a fringe, you know, top 10, 12, 15 kind of guy. He's one of five running backs with at least 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns in each of the past two seasons. And listen, I just want exposure to this offense. I don't really care how I get it. Mixon's a cheap way to do it. They were seventh in points per game, seventh in red zone trips. They're going to be around the red zone. As long as Joe Burrow's healthy and under center, which, you know, knock on wood here, is going to be the case to open the season. I don't see the downside in Mixon. I'll give you that he doesn't have the Tony Pollard type of ceiling, but he has been, you know, we've seen an uptick in receiving each of the last two years. I think that continues or sustains at this price. If it just sustains and we get another 250 carries for a little over four yards a carry, 10 touchdowns, to me, it's easy money in the fourth round. I, I, I don't see the downside. I get the ceiling argument, but there's no downside. I'll happily take that. I completely agree with you. Joe Mixon, even in the into the third round, would be an automatic selection for me. Just as my RB2, if I can get this guy as my RB2 on my roster, or if I want to load up on wide receivers to start my draft and get Joe Mixon as my RB1 in the fourth round, like, yes, absolutely, I will do that all day long because of the volume. The efficiency isn't going to be, like you mentioned, Tony Pollard, like dramatically different as far as efficiency, yards per carry, all that sort of stuff. But the touchdown totals, the scoring opportunities are absolutely going to be there for Joe Mixon in this high-powered offense. No Samaj P. Ryan other than, oh, oh, oh <laughs> my brain just completely shut down. No Samaj P. Ryan uh, as well this year, which is going to lead to even more target opportunities unless you really buy into Travion Williams, Chase Brown, you know, Chris Evans being one of those guys that can step into that vacated role. Erickson, let's throw it over to you. Who is that round four value? For me, I love going after these wide receiver breakouts in the middle rounds, the start of the middle rounds here in round four. So it's Jerry Judy for the Denver Broncos. Look, I think this guy can be a league winner. I, I think that we have seen Jerry Judy take steps every year of his career in the NFL. He's improved every single season. You know, after the first two years where he couldn't crack the top 40 in terms of points scored last year, he finished, I believe, in wide receiver 20 or wide receiver 21 in that range. And he just had a really strong finish that I don't think we're, we're taking enough into consideration. Week 10 onward, he led the entire NFL in yards per route run. From week 7 onward, he ranked 10th in terms of fantasy points per game, 13.5 and half PPR scoring. Final five weeks, basically looking at when he was playing a full allotment of snaps after he came back from an injury. Wide receiver three overall in points per game. Wide receiver three overall. And yet, oh, he's going outside the top 20, which is where he finished last year when Russell Wilson was an absolute train wreck and the Denver Broncos were an absolute train wreck. And we're all expecting them to at least improve to get back to at least average on offense with Sean Payton taking over with Russell Wilson coming back. So for me, I'm just going to continue to ride the ascending rocket that is Jerry Jude. Tim Patrick's out for the year. That's just another guy that, okay, we're concerned about, oh, maybe he's the guy that using the red zone. Russell Wilson's shown a connection with him during the practices this year and last year. Well, he's out of the equation now too. So for me, we saw one receiver be good with Russell Wilson last year, and his name was Jerry Judy. And he's going outside the top 20 receivers. So for me, I think he takes a big step in week in his fourth season with Sean Payton. And again, it kind of reminds me a lot of that Amon Ross St. Brown stretch, where as a rookie, Amon Ross St. Brown was just on fire. And then we poked holes in it. We're like, oh, well, it's only because Hawkinson. It's like, what if the guy just balled out because he's good? Like Jerry Judy was also number one against man coverage last year. So for me, I think that he's good. 
And I think this is the year that he finally puts it all together and has a massive breakout. I've been a little hesitant to buy into some of the like the hype that's kind of building to, around Jerry Judy, Derek Tate on our podcast last last yep. week talked about uh, Jerry Judy as well as that breakout wide receiver this year. And so uh, you've got at least someone who's in lockstep there with you, uh, with with you there, Erickson. But then we saw this past week, not only Tim Patrick going down with an Achilles injury, which just absolutely sucks to see. I've loved Tim Patrick for years. <laughs> so to see him go down with an injury yet again, but then also on the same day, KJ Hamler released with, with a uh, uh, medical illness. So that's something where now this crowded depth chart has instantly opened up where it's Jerry Judy, it's Cortland Sutton, and it's Marvin Mims. And suddenly then it's wide open. So I think the target opportunity there for Jerry Judy is is massive this season and if we get this offense bouncing back under sean payton man yeah i think uh it was it was a little it was a little hot take for me right there at the top erickson where you said he's a potential league winner but there's a path for it there's a path for it let's go into round five here to end out the show we're looking at justin fields christian kirk brandon Ayuk, tj hawkinson aaron jones justin herbert ken walker the third deontay johnson alexander madison chris godwin marquise brown and george kittle soppy let's talk about your round five value See, and this is where you can tell I haven't been on this side of the microphone nearly enough. I just gave my answer away like 15 <laughs> minutes ago in TJ Hawkinson. So spoiler alert, I'm back on TJ Hawkinson and think he has a chance to be the number one tight end for the reasons I mentioned five minutes ago. But uh, since coming to Minnesota, he was right there with Kelsey in terms of routes, targets, and catches. Of course, there's some scoring downside because of Jefferson. Like Erickson made that point and it's well taken. I just I think there's no cap on his uh, – I'm sorry. I think his floor is very high for where he's being drafted here. And if I'm going for the tier one of tight end, this is where I'm going in the fifth round. They got a lot of weatherproof games down the stretch. We know Minnesota wants to throw the ball. And I mean, he was at a hundred catch pace with the Vikings last year. I think he could repeat that. A lot of room is the number two in that offense, even next to Jefferson. Sign me up for a lot of Hawkinson this year. Erickson, I wanted to talk about this like tight end tier that's in, you know, as we look at the top of drafts and we're talking about the early rounds, right? We've got Kelsey, we've got Andrews, we've got Hawkinson, we've got these other players here. Where is sort of that drop off for you where you're like, okay, if I can get one of these guys, I'm going early round tight end. Otherwise, I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to take one of the late round guys. Where does that tier sort of stop for you? After Darren Waller is usually where it stops for me. Like the Darren Waller is definitely the tight end I've drafted the most because he's the cheapest number one pass catching option on his team. That is a tight end. Um, unless you include Dalton Schultz, depending on what ADP you're looking at. So for me, Waller is, is that guy. And that's the guy I draft the most because I think that similar to the argument I made for Mark Andrews, like he Kelsey and Mark Andrews, Waller and Kelsey are the only three tight ends that I can easily say, Oh yeah, he's going to lead his team in targets. And that puts him in a different tier than someone like Hawkinson, where it's like, yes, like, I get that Vikings are very pass heavy and that that his numbers at the end of the year could mimic or look very similar to a Mark Andrews or Darren Waller if he stays healthy from a cumulative point. But I think being the number one also gives you more upside in terms of touchdowns. Like you mentioned the stats for Hawkinson. You didn't mention fantasy points because he wasn't oh, scoring yeah. as many touchdowns. Uh, like, so that's, that's the thing that you, I, again, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade. Like you're no, right. You're like good. his peripheral metrics are were yeah. like on Kelsey level, but touchdowns move the needle especially in a format like underdog which is half ppr like in ppr i definitely understand it more because you are just looking for volume but you have to be more efficient in half ppr scoring where i think the edge goes to a guy like a mark andrew so i'm willing to pay up a little bit more for that but to go back to your initial question yates it would be darren waller for me is the the firewall at tight end before i'm like all right let's punt yep Sabi, same question for you really quick before we throw it back to erickson for his round five value 
Yeah, it's pretty similar. I'm more in on Kyle Pitts than a lot of people seem to be. And, you know, uh, burned once, burned twice. I get it there. I, I, I'm with you on Darren Waller. He's kind of the cutoff. I, I'm really not getting a lot of George Kittle this year. So, I mean, that's kind of depending how you rank these guys, I guess. But Waller is definitely a tight end I'm targeting as far as value goes if I'm not getting Hawkinson. I did notice right, you know, right there at the end of round five is George Kittle. And I just like, I can't nah. pull the trigger. Like I can't do pass. it. I don't know. I'll, I'll pass on, on George Kittle there at the, uh, in the, as a top five round pick Erickson, your round five value, my friend. Deontay Johnson, uh, wide receiver 30. Look, he's just, <laughs> he didn't score any touchdowns last year, which is a total of fluke because he was still like top. I believe he was sixth overall in end zone targets. Like he was still seeing a lot of red zone targets Jeez. and this guy just gets open. Like, over the past three seasons, fifth in total targets, seventh in receptions, ninth in target share. Like, he's not a bad player. He just got really unlucky last year. And if you just look at Kenny Pickett's touchdown rate, which was under 2%, like, that's not going to happen again. Like, you can't possibly just have the ratio of how many rushing touchdowns they had versus passing touchdowns that the Steelers had during Kenny Pickett when he was starting last year. So, you're just buying into the talent. Like Johnson had a 28% target share was seventh overall on targets in 2022. It's just pointing. It's checking off all the boxes of, Oh wow. Wow. This guy's probably due for like positive regression in basically every single category, whether it's touchdowns, whether it's downfield targets, like you just got to buy low on him because every other metric is pointing to, Hey, this guy's going to score more than zero touchdowns because of X, Y, Z and all the other reasons I just kind of laid out. So the fact that he's wide receiver 30, especially in non-underdog platforms, like he goes way cheaper than yeah. round five. You can get him in round six or round seven, but just because of how wide receiver heavy underdog builds are, Deontay Johnson is going to be a steal in almost every regular season long draft. My man just got done telling me the touchdowns move the needle, and here he is producing Deontay Johnson, who couldn't score all season. I'm with you. I, I like this pick a lot. 15 touchdowns the previous two seasons. Uh, like you said, zero is not happening again. I actually like this pick better than your other one. I, give me Deontay Johnson if I'm choosing in a vacuum, potentially over Jerry Judy, if not over him value-wise. So I really like this pick. Deontay was on my short list of options here. I'll let you have him because, you know, we're nice to our guests here. No, it's it's definitely like if you can get Deontay Johnson as your wide receiver three, it seems like a very gross, oh, yeah. boring name, right? We talked about that at the top of drafts, like very gross, boring name. But Deontay Johnson is a wide receiver three on your roster for the value point. Yeah, absolutely needed to talk about him here as a top five early round value. All right, gentlemen, that will do it for this podcast. Andrew, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule. We are now into August. Appreciate you jumping onto the podcast. Why don't you let people know where they can find and follow you on social media and what you got going on that people need to know about. Yeah, you could follow me over on Twitter or X, as uh, we're calling it now, uh, at Andrew Erickson underscore all my written work, podcast recordings, audio, video on fantasypros.com, on the YouTube channel there as well. I'm also doing some betting content for uh, Fantasy Pros sister site, bettingpros.com. So very excited about that and was super excited to chop it up with you guys and I'm looking forward to the season. It's going to be fun. We've got football on the TV. Okay, yeah. quick question before we get out of here. Is the Hall of Fame game actually worth watching? Soppy. If a tree falls and no one's around to hear, <laughs> it doesn't really make noise. That's what this reminds me of. I had to do a lot of written content, research, all that good stuff for the website. So, yes, I'm going to say it's a football <laughs> game. Darn it, I devoted hours to it. But no, no, it's not. I, I mean, it's on TV. It's professional football. They're wearing the jerseys we know, and that's about where it ends.
Well, I'll be watching because I've got a sickness. So I'll be watching some live football on the TV tomorrow night. Gentlemen, thank you so much again for taking some time out, jumping onto the podcast. All right, that'll do it. For Kyle Sapi and Andrew Erickson, I'm Kyle Yates, and we'll see you next time.